When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads. This is episode 88. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my co-host, Justin Golba. For your favorite college basketball podcast, it's coming at you year-round. We are officially uh, less than two weeks away from the season opener, Justin. However, we did see the Buckeyes. We saw the Buckeyes live in action against an actual good basketball team for a great cause. With that, make sure that's important. For a great cause um, in Dayton this past weekend, uh, the Buckeyes knocking off the Dayton Flyers at their house. A sold-out UD Arena. Ohio State wins uh, 78-70. Um, Ju- Justin, what what did you like from what you saw? What what did you like in this in the scrimmage? I'm sorry, more of an exhibition than a scrimmage because there were people there. Um, what impressed you about Ohio State's uh, game against Dayton? You know, Connor, uh, I think it was a lot of things. Uh, honestly, I was very <laughs> impressed by a lot. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't watch all of it, uh, but I did watch a lot of it. Uh, no, I think first of all, Zed Key's unrecognizable. Uh, I I could not figure out who was on the floor for a second because I couldn't see the number, and I truly didn't even know Zed Key. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I think just in general, it was just nice seeing Bruce Thornton. Kind of, everyone's expecting him to take that sophomore jump, but you know we have to actually see it first and and experience it, and 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 he looked like the the point guard we all expect him to be this year. Um, I also think Jameson Battle was just very smooth, very I you know, if you've watched a lot of Big Ten basketball over the past couple of years, you know how good Jameson Battle can be, but we haven't seen it in probably a year and a half to two years. So I'm very, very interested to see kind of what version of Jameson Battle we get, especially early on. You know, a new team. He was obviously very um, did we even say we have our, our, who our guest is? I guess it's in the title. Oh no, we kind of uh, we, kind we of didn't even uh, we didn't even yeah we didn't even tease that we didn't even tease that we'll, we'll talk we about that in a second. For for the third time, uh, we talked with our annual catch up with the Columbus Dispatches, Adam Jardy, who was sitting next to you at the game, um, and he kind of mentioned that it looked like James Battle was pretty hesitant to kind of take over like a primary scoring role, especially because it's a new team. You know, he's, he's kind of a fifth year guy. You don't want to be the guy that comes out and shoots 25 times in the exhibition. So, uh, but once he got a little more aggressive, which was something, you know, coach Holtman looked to be very 
adamant about of like shoot the ball, be aggressive. He, I mean, that that jumper is just silky <laughs> smooth. He looked very good, and he was he made a couple tough shots. Like I was very impressed with Battle. I think he wasn't even being aggressive, and he had like a quiet twelve to fourteen points. Like I, I tweeted during the game. I don't even know if this is a hot take or not. If he's at his best, I think he can average twenty a game. I really do. Um, I think he just has that natural scoring ability. So having a guy like that. Um, and then just in general, I mean, it seemed like every time Dayton cut into the lead, they had an answer, which was nice. You know, that's something that uh, I think a lot of people, even those exhibition, when they had, they had like a 10 point lead and then had like five straight turnovers. A lot of people probably went, you know, palm to head kind of thing, but um, you know, they, yeah. they, answered them and they answered them and ended up, you know, winning pretty comfortably. So obviously it doesn't matter. It's an exhibition. I don't think Dayton starters played most of the second half, uh, but still, you know, it's nice to, technically get a win you know and uh yeah we get get oakland in about like you said two weeks from today we're recording this tuesday so it's 13 days away because that's a monday night start yeah and we won't we won't spend a ton of time talking about this game because we did talk with uh with adam about about this game uh here shortly when we get to the interview with uh, adam jardy but um the two guys you pointed out uh bruce and, and jameson when i wrote my game article um those were also the two guys that I pointed out. Like one of my, I put six things is I think that Bruce and Jameis and battle both look game ready. Um, they both look like if the game against Oakland was tomorrow, I think that they are both, they would both be ready. They're in good enough shape and their shots were looking smooth enough that they'd be ready to go. Um, something else that you mentioned was that stretch to open the second half where they turn the ball over on six out of seven possessions, which I'm sh- sure that probably happened at some point last season. Um, but when we asked Bruce Thornton about that after the game, um, I thought it was a really good answer, a really pointed, mature answer, which was he, which was he said like, yeah, like we were kind of falling apart. But what we think is important is like, how do you respond? And he said, you know, we we come down the court, basically they had a nine point lead. Dayton came all the way back and tied it. And he said, you know, he said Rod, you know, Roddy Gale. He said Rod hit that three. We go back up three. We call timeout, and then you know we never trailed again. Whereas maybe last year, if we let a team go on like a 9-0 or a 10-0 run like that, like there's no way that we're going to be able to stop the bleeding in time to like put our foot down and establish a lead again. Like at that point, if we start falling apart at that point, we're probably going to lose that game. He said, that's how it was last year, but we feel like this year we're a little more mature. We can hit a big shot, maybe get ourselves like a two-point lead back and not let the 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 not let the emotions and how big the moment is with the crowd going crazy it's like a 10-0 run all the craziness not let that get too big for us just kind of breathe and let's just keep playing we'll get we'll get out of the rut and we'll win the game i thought that was a really mature answer and that's a good point because i honestly think a lot of games last year ohio state would kind of have a meltdown and once they had that meltdown you were like okay we've been we've been waiting for this here's the meltdown they're gonna they're gonna lose this game now um, and they they didn't after Roddy Gale hit that shot. I, I don't think they trailed again. And that's experience, you know. That's last year they were a freshman heavy team with a freshman leading you with scoring, a freshman being your point guard, a freshman being your backup center. You know, a lot of transfers. It's tough sometimes to really get that to mesh. Now that you have those freshmen back and returned, outside of Sensible, obviously, but you have Thornton, you have Gale, you have Akpara, you have a guy like Jameson Battle that's new, but he's a fifth year guy. He's all who's played in the Big Ten for two years. So that moment won't shake him. Even Evan Mahaffey, who I think was a, I think for a lot of people that maybe haven't been paying too close attention, might have been surprised he was starting 
but that's where it looked like the, the tea leaves have been kind of moving towards. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were very impressed by him. I asked Jardy about it in our interview, but John Rothstein compared him to Andre Wesson, which I think is, <laughs> is kind of okay. Uh, it's always interesting to hear local beat reporters reactions to national guys comparisons because sometimes they can just be wasn't it andy katz who compared bryce sensible to mikhail bridges and we're all like what i what i do not <laughs> i don't remember that but i feel like their body he was doing, sizes are just... he, was, he was doing nba draft comparisons and, I, and it was it was sensible to mikhail bridges and we're like they couldn't be two different players like that's <laughs> like they, they are literally nothing is similar about them uh so that was that's always a funny one but he actually pretty much agreed with this, the Weston comparison. I think Mahaffey's jumper might have to come a little further. But again, Mahaffey's only a sophomore. So a lot of room to grow, I think. You know, it's, it's going to be really fun to watch this team. And, you know, it starts right away because A&M is, is very good. And that game is on November 10th, 11th. A&M is November 10th, I believe. It's That's that a Friday. Friday night game? I think. Yes, That's 7 sick. o'clock, I believe. That's sick. And it's Veterans Day. So a lot of people, a lot of people, yeah, Ohio State on the cock on a Friday night is going to be crazy. Um, But you got to get, I I think a lot of people are going to have off of, at least I have off work that day for Veterans Day. And I think a lot of people have off of school too. So it's going to be like. Definitely um, a school. It's definitely a school off day for sure. So it's it's a seven o'clock Friday game, but a lot of people aren't going to have work or school. So like doors will probably open at like five, five thirty. Party up, baby. It's going to have the same, I think, vibe as like a Saturday night game. So, um, and about Mahaffey, I I do, I think I ignored Mahaffey as a possible starter in my brain because I felt like it was the least fun option. Right. I agree. Um, It's very possible that like Holtman likes the idea of having, even if Mahaffey only plays like say 14, 15 minutes a game, let me bring in the guy that's six foot nine that plays good defense for the first five or six minutes. Let's see if we can just, like let's see what what kind of offense we can scrape together with a not super offensive lineup but can we have can we get some kind of early lead with a defensive lineup early and then we'll sub in some other guys i I don't know i just in my mind i was like oh that's not like that's not fun like scotty middleton starting would be fun devin royal starting would be fun like evan mahaffey seems like a really nice guy and I, i look forward to talking to him more but evan mahaffey starting is not fun that's not fun it doesn't move the needle like that, you know, but, um, but I think it's the right move. I think he is the best because I think when you look at like the possible starting lineup, I think Akpar starting in his exhibition probably gives you good insight that he's going to be the starter, uh, you know, against Oakland. Cause they, they'll yeah, ask the whole question, yeah. Akpar, Aki, Akpar, Aki. I think Akpar is going to be the starter. I think they're going to split minutes. I'm not really on this train of they're going to play together. I don't love that. Um, unless Key's made some drastically differences in his perimeter defense, which I'm assuming he hasn't until uh, I see it. So um, if Apara starts, then you have three guys in Thornton, Gale, and Battle that are your scores, And then you have Mahaffey and Akpar that can make sure you hold it down on defense and not what it seemed like last year, especially early in the season. They'd go get a bucket, then give a bucket, get a bucket, give a bucket, get a bucket, give a bucket. And then you're just playing this game to the first one to 80 wins. Whereas now you can kind of have a little bit more of a set Kind of a, uh, a um, a more, a more uh, what's the word? Versatile, I don't know. A more uh, versatile lineup, and then also Bruce Thornton's <laughs> a good defender, so you have that. Dale Bonner coming off the bench, who had four steals in this exhibition. You know, you kind of have a lot of. There's a lot of. Uh, I, I like. I guess versatility is the word with what you can do with these lineups. Yeah, that's where I'm excited to see. 
It's also possible that, and as we're going to, we're going to get into this interview with Darty here in just a few seconds. It's also possible that as Adam pointed out here in a few minutes, um, Jameson battle actually graded out as one of, we'll let him tell you exactly how badly, but he graded out as one of the worst defenders in college basketball last year. So it's also possible that putting Evan Mahaffey in the lineup is twofold for one. It gives you a guy of a similar size of battle that if battle is struggling defensively, and let's say there's like a switch, um, Mahaffey can jump on that switch and grab the guy that battle had. And also it, it gives you pretty good size to start the game with Akpar in there at six ten, Mahaffey in there at six eight and battle in there at six eight. Um, those are three pretty big guys. Two of them are pretty mobile. So yeah, again, I think, I, I think just, it's best case scenario. If as much as possible, you can have battle playing the three. I do think that is, that is helpful. He's going to play the four times, no doubt this year, but I think him playing the three is just a little bit better in terms of what you can do with your, your lineups. I think for now. So we'll go ahead and um, we kind of, we pre-gamed the uh, the Dayton recap there a little bit, but we talked to Adam about other stuff on top of the Dayton uh, exhibition. It's funny. We, we talked to Adam about some things about the Dayton exhibition that really had nothing to do with the game itself. So if you weren't at Dayton, which I'm assuming you weren't, if you're not a Dayton fan, if you didn't get to catch it on ESPN Plus or, or, or Bali Sports Ohio, um, definitely listen in because Adam's got some good insight from uh, Sunday night's game. So without further ado, um, here is our interview with the Columbus Dispatch's Adam Darden. All right, for episode 88, we are super lucky to have a multiple return guest, a multiple time guest on Bucketheads. We have Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch with us today. Adam, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. How's your Monday? Well, it's Monday. <laughs> time is irrelevant when basketball season starts, so I had Amen. to look at my calendar in front of me to see what day it actually was. Yeah, sun- basketball uh, basketball Sundays are much better than regular work Mondays. Um, but we'll go ahead and we'll talk a little bit about since I was there last night, you were there last night. Justin was not there, but Justin was was watching. I'm pretty sure. Um, the Dayton exhibition. It was a charity exhibition, so um, you do have to kind of take some things with a grain of salt. But also, I think there is a lot to take from it, even if both coaches maybe weren't pushing it 100% to win. I guess, Adam, what were um, were there any players from last night from Ohio State that you left the building with maybe your expectations for that player adjusted a, a little bit? Um, that's a good question right off the bat. Uh, I mean, I came in expecting a lot from Bruce Thornton, and I felt like for the most part he delivered. Um, I felt I feel like more people should be talking about him today. Like I saw the watch list for the Koozie Award for the best point guard in the country came out, and I'm not. I'm pumping the brakes here. I'm not saying he's the best point guard in the nation, but I think he's maybe one of the best 20 point guards in the nation. I was surprised not to see him on there. I I came away from it very much like feeling like people need to buy their stock in Bruce Thornton now. I think it's going to be a monster season for him. Uh, I came away impressed with you know how Jamison Battle kind of fit into things and um, you know how smooth his shot looked. I had some one of our tech subscribers say that they were really excited just to see him get to play um, and cheer for him instead of, you know, rooting against him all season 
because uh, I just really liked how he looked last night. Um, you know, I, I came away a little underwhelmed by Ohio State's post play. I expected a little bit more from from Zed and Felix, and that just really didn't materialize. But you know, overall, you know, I, I felt like it was it was an exhibition game. It looked like an exhibition game. I thought the the, the overall quality of play reflected a lot of that. But uh, if you're Ohio State, you have to feel good about the fact that with all those qualifiers in there, you went to Dayton and you won a game and that's a situation you could have lost. So I, I think there's, I think there's more positives than negatives for Ohio state. I would say um, I was, I was impressed. Maybe not. I think Dale Bonner was maybe one for six shooting the ball. Um, but I did notice that when Dayton was pressing or when Dayton was throwing some, some real wacky plays at Ohio state on the out of bounds, it looked like Dale Bonner a lot of the time was the guy that was inbounding the ball, especially against the press, um, which was something that Ohio State struggled with a lot, especially in that 14, that stretch of like 14 out of 15. Um, You know, I try to read and listen to some of the stuff that you put out. And I know you've been saying, you know, pay attention, Dale Bonner. He's going to be contributing maybe a little more than we thought he was. And I just thought it was interesting that when Dayton was throwing some wrinkles into things, especially in the inbounds, it was usually, it was usually Dale that was, inbounding that a more experienced guy yeah i'm i'm still trying to decide how i feel about how ohio state handled dayton's pressure last night because in the moment i felt like it did affect the buckeyes and you know you look at the box score and ohio state finishes with uh, 16 turnovers bonner has four of them gale has three of them and thornton has three of them and so you're talking about your three primary ball handlers uh with 10 turnovers and that's that's not going to win you a lot of games in the big 10. And so I I came away like a little bit concerned with that. And you had some flashbacks to some issues with Ohio state struggling to break pressure last year. Then I was thinking about a little bit more today with a little bit more hindsight. And I was, you know, the fact that, uh, that you had unlimited fouls in that game, I think it impacted certain segments of the game and maybe certain segments of game play. And I think that allowed Dayton to be more aggressive than you know, it, it obviously could be in a regular game because you didn't have to worry about, you know, a guard picking up two fouls in the first half or, you know, whatever. <laughs> a, and, a guard picking up a guard picking up five fouls in the first half. <laughs> also that um, side note, if I was playing in this game, I would have easily gone for six fouls. You, you got to yeah. get to that number <laughs> and just keep going. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you end up taking away like that was just good pressure for a state. That was good. A good test. Um and I, I do think ultimately they will be better against pressure than they were in that game. But it did leave me with some sort of mixed feelings because um, I do think the backcourt is going to be real strength of this team. And I thought that, you know, not that they would have 10 assists and no turnovers, but I kind of thought that between those three, you'd have a little bit more balanced stat line than five assists and 10 turnovers. And, you know, just in general, I know the atmosphere at UD arena has always been praised and, you know, obviously they they've wanted Ohio State to come for a long time. Obviously, not this wasn't a real game or anything. It was just an exhibition. But still, what would you kind of rate the arena, the fans? Kind of what was? Did it feel like a real game? Did they kind of hold back a little bit? What was it? What was kind of the feeling there? Well, um, you know, Connor, I'd like to hear what you thought because my my impression was that the there were a couple of times I heard fans say things like. They wanted to boo, but they just like wouldn't let themselves. Like I thought they handled themselves in a really mature manner for college students. I, I don't know that I would have maybe been quite as uh, uh, composed at that age. I think I might have 
in that situation, maybe let <laughs> the other team have it more than uh, than the Dayton fans did. I heard some pretty funny comments behind me, just them really kind of praising their team. And then <laughs> just like, like if something didn't go well, or if they were mad about something, be like, well, good effort. Like, <laughs> did, did you hear things like that? Yeah, especially well, I, I did notice that they do love Enoch Cheeks. They love to yell cheeks. <laughs> yes. They, they did love to yell cheeks, and I didn't have time, but I really wanted to look up. I'm pretty sure that I, I vaguely remember Enoch Cheeks playing against Ohio State for Robert Morris, I'm pretty sure, in the last two years. Yep. That because was that's a, where he, yeah, season opener that's where he last transferred year. from. So yep, I yeah. wanted to look up. I didn't look it up. Oh, you must have already looked it up. How did he do? He had 17. He was three of seven from oh, three. So he, uh, somebody tweeted me during the game and they said it's the Enoch Cheeks revenge game because <laughs> he was, the dude was unconscious in the first half. I mean, six of six from the floor, five of five from three. Uh, if you're dating, yeah. you, you take that and run with it. Yeah, Justin, every time Enoch Cheeks did literally anything, grabbed a rebound, touched the ball, shot the ball, the whole student section basically was like chanting Cheeks, um, which is really <laughs> funny, but I also did hear like when Ohio State was introducing their lineups, like you said, usually Dayton probably the student section probably would have booed, but the, one of the the guys behind me I heard him say, "No, no booing today." Um, yeah. So I thought that I thought that they were they were really classy. I thought that they clapped at the right times, they supported at the right time. They obviously supported their team really loud, especially pregame. I was like, "Holy Moses, this is going to be something else." But I just thought it was like really classy. I think it's one of the best venues for college basketball that was the first Dayton game I've been to I've been to the first four but it's not really the same because it's all the different fans there right right yeah I I thought they they did a really good job with it with you know kind of embracing the vibe of the game and you know just just enjoying the the experience and and the whole evening I thought um, the banner that they unfurled that was literally over my left shoulder I turned around and there's a huge banner that says thank you Buckeyes and Every photographer in the arena turns and starts taking a photo, and I'm just like, "Oh, geez, I'm going to be in every one of these pictures." <laughs> um, but I just I, I thought they handled themselves really well. I talked with a few of them at one point, just uh, letting them know that they were worried about foul trouble early, and I was like, "Hey, just so you know, I'm pretty sure they're not counting fouls in this game." And they were like, "Oh, cool. Well, thanks for letting us know." Like, I like when you can have a little bit of uh, engagement with the fans when they're sitting right behind you, and I I enjoyed that last night. Um, in your opinion, Adam, I know we we've gotten the answers from Holtman and we'll get the same answers from Holtman. We'll get the same answers from Anthony Grant that they would like to do it. But in your opinion, Adam, with the Big Ten expanding and how Ohio State seems to really want to be locked into like at least one small tournament at the beginning of the season. And I don't know how long the CBS Sports Classic contract is like, do you actually think the Ohio State Dayton? Again, this is your opinion. Do you think that home and home is going to happen in the next like four or five years? Or do you think it might be like well down the road as scheduling just gets more and more um, just kind of crowded? Well, uh, to to quote the album title of the greatest debut album of all time, uh, can I go with definitely maybe? Because um, <laughs> I I would love to see it happen. And I do believe there is some legitimate interest on both sides in making it happen. But I think there's. There's hesitancy on Ohio State's part, and this is like when you really get into the nitty gritty of scheduling, and it's hard to to really uh, hammer this point home to I think a majority of of the fan base uh, of any team. But you're looking at like the Big Ten might go to 22 conference games next season, so you take those 22 games, right. you add in the CBS Sports Classic, which I believe is under contract till 2027. 
Um, I'm not sure if UCLA joining the Big Ten throws a wrench into that, if anything changes, because obviously you're eliminating a matchup uh, possibility every year. But, you know, that's on the calendar for at least the foreseeable horizon. So that puts you to 23 games. If they play in, you know, Battle for Atlantis, which is coming up in, in a couple of years here, you know, there's there's three. Uh, so you're up to 26 games. So that leaves Ohio State roughly five games to play with, and that's assuming they're not in something else or, you know, if they have, you know, they have a home and home starting with Texas A&M this year, that, that right there, you're up to 27. Um, if my math is right. And so when you start talking about having like four games left to play with, you know, part of the problem with last year's schedule for Ohio state was that none of those games, none of those good games were at home. I mean, the home non-conference was just abysmal. And right. when you're playing in, in Maui and you're playing Duke on the road, uh, you need to have some games. Every team is going to have some games at home that it it needs to win. You know, you get guys playing time. You're not going to play 31 games against high major teams. I would love to see it. You would love to see it. But no coach in America is going to sign up for that. And so as you look at the Big Ten possibly expanding to more games and, yeah, playing in these multi-team events, it just gets more and more difficult to imagine something like that happening, especially one of the main criteria that Holtman has said both publicly and privately is that it needs to be a team that is like a perennial top 25 NCAA tournament team for them to schedule a home and home. And Dayton is a, is a great program. Uh, I, the a 10 is certainly a really good conference, um, but not really through Dayton's fault. They're not always a tournament team. Those teams have been left behind by the selection committee uh, more times than any of us would, would care to count. So, uh, there are some wrinkles there. There's some hurdles with it, uh, but I certainly understand the love and desire for that to become an annual thing because, I mean, just getting a, a taste of it last night in a game that didn't count was amazing. And I would love, I'd love more games like that uh, in the regular season for sure. It's just when you start, when you start adding up the numbers and doing the math that you run out of games on the schedule pretty quickly. Yeah. I didn't think it was funny at the press conference of Holtman did say, you know, I had a hard time just getting back here to talk to you guys because how many people were, you know, grabbing me saying, did you sign the contract yet for the home and home? Like people enjoyed it so much. They're like, all right, let's just let's make sure we make this an annual thing when it's going to or not annual, but let's let's get this on the books official when it's just with the other commitments. It just it seems tough. Yeah, it, you would still like to see them find some way to make it happen. Um, I just I, I just think the math and the numbers, uh, there's a scheduling crunch. And then that's that really becomes an issue. And by the way, I apologize. Uh, Grady, my 14 year old beagle is uh, reminding me that in an hour and a half, he's supposed to eat. So if he starts barking, I'm going to have to feed him early. <laughs> OK, no worries. <laughs> um, and just jumping to the team specifically, obviously, we saw the starting lineup was Evan Mahavey. Uh, I think most people would assume that the starting lineup they tried out against Dayton will be the Oakland one. What do you think has kind of put Mahavey ahead of? maybe a Scotty Middleton or Devin Royal. Is it just the veteran thing? Is it maybe because he's coming from a in-conference opponent so they know he can play at that level, like at the Big Ten level? What is What do you think Mahaffey might have done the, to kind of shore up that starting spot? Um, I think those things all help for sure. Uh, every person that I've talked to and every indication that I've gotten is that you know, since his arrival, he has just fit in and just like blended into what the team needs and has – just acquitted himself very well to how the team wants to play and what he can do. Uh, you know, he didn't have an overly impressive stat line. I mean, he had 
I'm looking at the box score now. He had five points, three rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Um, and I felt like there were some moments offensively. Uh, he needs to work on a shot. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things holding him back right now. There were a few times where I felt like he got the ball and Dayton sagged off him in a way that was somewhat reminiscent of like, not quite to the same level as Isaac likely or just suing at times last year. Um, or even Jamari Wheeler, like they've Hussey's had some guys the last few years that they teams did not respect their ability to shoot from deep. And I don't know where Evan will ultimately fall on that this year, but he does so many like other little things. I've had people draw comparisons to Kyle young, yeah, just the way that, yeah, the way that he impacts a game and it might not always, you know, show up on the box score. Those are the kinds of things that are hard to really get a feel for in a game like what we saw last night. But I, I did come into the game projecting him as a, as a starter when the season begins. Um, and I thought Scotty looked a little young. I thought he looked a little rushed. Um, and that's completely understandable and acceptable uh, at this point of the preseason. So I just think all those things kind of add up to, you know, Evan's going to play. I might've thought when he signed with Ohio state, like, oh, okay, he'll play maybe 10 minutes a game. I think I'm more along the lines of 20 at this point. Just, I think his role is going to be, important for this team. And I think really set him up for a big season potentially next year. And you mentioned, um, you mentioned Scotty and I did just want to get your take just in general, um, not even as much on the court as it is off the court with like Scotty and Devin, what I've noticed with this Ohio state program since Holtman took over. um, And this is just my opinion. I think that Chris Holtman has done a pretty good job from what I've seen since I've been credentialed just as my third season, all of the freshmen that come in seem like they're really like good, nice, like respectful guys that are also appreciative of like, even like us showing up to talk to them. Like they don't treat the media that are bugging them and badgering them. Like, Oh, I have to go talk to them. Like last night, I think it was Devin that said like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for showing up. Like we appreciate you guys being here. Um, what has your interactions been like with Devin and Scotty and Taysen and Austin? And do you see the same pattern that I do uh, of these freshman classes that like, I've just been really impressed that very few of the freshmen that have come through this program have seemed like full of themselves or like too busy to talk to you, that kind of thing. Um, and again, that's just what I've observed. I've just really, I've enjoyed every chance I've had so far to talk to these freshmen. Cause I think they're really good, respectful kids and, it makes them easy to root for, even though, you know, you even more than me have to be even more objective than I am, but I still like to see these guys do well when I know that they've got their head on. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's not really been, as I start kind of cycling back through the classes in my head, there's not really been too many of these guys where it's like, they're almost impossible to get on the phone or that like, when they're high school players and you want to talk to them about scoring their thousand point or whatever, like almost without exception, they've been, they might not always be the best interview, but they're generally able to, or they're generally willing to to have that conversation with you and make themselves available. Um, I know like it was interesting for Devin last year, obviously being a local kid. And I felt like there were people kind of coming at him from all different directions. Um, And he was occasionally, a bit of a challenge. I actually thought his interview last night uh, went really well. And I was, I'm encouraged for uh, what that's going to be like this year. Um, you know, the, honestly, the, the hardest one 
to ever get a hold of um, was DJ Carton. Uh, just yeah. really, he was, EJ Liddell helped me get DJ on the phone because I always do these in-depth lookbacks on guys' senior seasons before they get to Ohio State so the fans can get to know who they are. I would kind of just like to introduce them to the fan base a little bit and dive in a little bit more on where they're from and what they're about. And I had gotten a hold of all five coaches in that of the players in that class and then the other four commitments, and I just could not get DJ on the phone. And finally, like, EJ helped me somehow. And I got DJ, and he was great when we talked, but, like, it was not his – he didn't gravitate toward doing something like that. That was not necessarily his favorite thing. And so when I think about this year's freshman class, um, they've always been – uh, for the most part, pretty accessible, pretty easy to talk to. Um, you know, Scotty is like a super like intense in a good way, but like it, this stuff matters to Scotty. Like you can just tell not that it doesn't matter to the other guys because it does, but like there's, there's a little bit something extra to Scotty. Um, and as I think on like interviewing the other guys, like they've, They've always been accommodating uh, whenever when I've you know reached out, and um, I'm curious. It's that's always one of the things that's interesting when guys move through their freshman years. Like how more how much more comfortable do they become uh, in front of a microphone or you know with a camera on them? And uh, the thing I'm always curious about is well, what you know if that's the freshman who takes the shot at Rutgers and it doesn't go in and they lose, how willing will he be to talk to me in a hallway after that game? And Usually guys are pretty good with that. I haven't really had any problems. So I'm hopeful that continues with this group. And then I'll, I'll swing it back to, uh, sorry, Justin, I, I threw that in there. I didn't, I didn't plan out, but I threw that in there. So then I'll ask the question I actually had written down here, which was team defense. Um, I mean, there's no way of sugarcoating it, Adam. This team's been pretty abysmal on the defensive end for the last three seasons after like, I'm pretty sure four years ago was a pretty darn good defensive team. Um, but they've been horrendous defensively the last three years. And I think Ken Palm has them preseason like number 48 or something like team defense, which that would be a pretty substantial step up um, with the personnel they've assembled. Do you see this team doing considerably better on that end this year? I think so. Um, I'm, I'm very much in like wait and see mode with the Ohio state defense for the reasons you just outlined. I mean, I thought this team last year would be better defensively. I thought like, you know, Isaac likely could guard multiple positions. He could play the five. He could play the one. Like I thought, you know, you get a lot with him and I was expecting like Tanner Holden to play a bigger role. And, you know, justice suing would take on all the stuff defensively and you know, Roddy and, and Bruce. And it, it, it obviously did not click. And it was uh, Ohio state's worst rated defensive season. Um, I think in the Ken Palm era, or at least since the Thad Mata era started. So um, I'm in a little bit of wait and see, with what this defense looks like. But when you, when you do start looking at some of these pieces and some of the versatility, and I think like that's where, you know, maybe an Evan Mahaffey, what does, what can he do uh, being inserted into the lineup and what, and that versatility, um, you know, Dale Bonner and his, his speed and his uh, grit and, you know, the things that he brings with him from having played his last two years at Baylor. I mean, the dude knows how to win at a high level and compete in the other conference that always routinely claims that it's the best conference in college basketball. So I do think they have some good pieces. And I think like if Felix can take a step and Bruce and Roddy, um, there's certainly that potential where this team gets back to at least, uh, at least being a respectable defense. I mean, 
like you said, if they if they just improve to projected 48th and at Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency to go from 106 to 48th, like I think that's a pretty good would, jump. I think they would sign up for that right now. And I think they would probably tell you they believe the ceiling is a little bit higher than that. Uh, but we we've got to see. And that won't we won't have answers on that for a little while. Yeah, just speaking about defense and something me and Connor noticed, uh, we interviewed Scotty on this podcast about a year ago, and he was very adamant about his his efforts on defense. Yes. And it definitely sh- it shows in his confidence as well. When you're talking to him as someone who's talked to him multiple times and stuff, and we saw it like he told us he'd beat Grady Dick one-on-one, you know, that's yeah. an NBA player yeah. right now. But you could tell he truly meant it. Do you see that kind of confidence from Scotty, even as a freshman and you know, do you think that translates into his defensive effort as well? I, I do see that from him. I, I think a lot of that just kind of folds into Scotty has like a pretty, a pretty good personality in general. And kind of back to what Connor was asking a, f- a few moments ago, you know, I, I get the sense that like his addition and Devin's addition, like those guys are, they're talkative, they're energetic and they're passionate about like doing their best in, in playing for the team. And I think that has brought helped bring another level of energy to this roster and to these practices. And I think, you know, if, that helps. You know, I think there's a more upbeat, active vibe around this team just based on the personalities of the guys that are on it. And I think a player like Scotty and that mentality that you're talking about and some of those things that come across when you talk to him, I think that's real. And I do think that could impact him, help him be a better or help him be an impact defender. And there, I mean, there's a reason why he's the one player in this roster that is right now being projected as like an NBA dude. I mean, I think there's a few guys that could potentially get there. Um, you know, may, I, I don't think any, I don't think Ohio state wants any of them to make that jump after this season. <laughs> um, but there are reasons why the next level values what Scotty's about and what he brings and I'm excited to see what that looks like this year. And I think another person that is really interesting to me because of the conversation around them is Roddy Gale because of, you know, throughout most of the season and the regular season, it looked like it kind of, it just looked like a freshman. He was clearly the talent was there, but sometimes he was either moving too fast or was in his head kind of whatever. And then in the big 10 tournament, he obviously looked incredible averaging almost, you know, over 17 points a game. What are kind of your expectations for him? Do you think maybe they're even a little high right now with some fans because of how it ended? Where are you at with kind of where Roddy Gale is? Yeah, I I think if Roddy Gale finishes the season averaging like north of 10 a game, you know, I I don't think I I think the potential is there for him to maybe be a, a leading scorer. And I think there will certainly be nights where he is that leading scorer. I don't know that you want him to be the guy that's like, I don't know that Roddy Gale averaging 18 a night is is the best thing for this team necessarily. I just feel like, or, or I shouldn't say not the best thing for this team. It's hard for me to project that because we need to see it on a longer uh, trajectory, not trajectory. We need to see it over a longer span of time. More than four and days, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's not to take anything away from the way Roddy played in those games or honestly how we started to play kind of leading up to it. Because you could just see things settling for him you could see him fitting in and adapting to the game and the flow and the pace um you know i felt like once he moved into the starting lineup that helped him maybe earn a little bit of self-validation like okay i'm here like let's go and 
I, yeah, he's he's not going to make nine straight threes. Like, I think he was nine of 11 from three in the Big Ten tournament, made his first one, missed his last one. Like, if he goes nine for 11, uh, you know, every 11, if he makes nine of every 11 threes this year, then <laughs> look out. Um, but I, I think it's reasonable to expect him to be a double digit scorer. He's going to be one of the f- featured components in this offense. Um, but I need to see a little bit more before I'm ready to say he is like the guy or he's, He's the guy that they're always going to look for in a certain situation. Um, you know, I, I did think his the three that he hit last night when Dayton had just cut it or went on a 9-0 run to tie the game. Ohio State had just turned it over on six of seven possessions. Um, yeah. The crowd was starting to get into it. And Bruce pushed the ball up court and got it to Roddy. And he, I talked about it on my podcast and I wrote about it. But like the second that ball got in Roddy's hands, that shot was in. You know, from where Connor and I were sitting, like I could see Roddy's eyes. I could see his body language. It was just like I knew he was making that three pointer. And to me, that's the sign of a player that is confident in who he is, knows who he is and is ready to take that step. And he's got to do it more consistently. But that was that seemed like a big moment to me. And then, you know, speaking of the guy when it comes to scoring, I think a lot of people will look at Jameson Battle this year to be that guy. What are you kind of seeing from Battle since he's been in Columbus? Obviously, the 2021 season he had for Minnesota was pretty incredible. Last year, he was, you know, kind of hurt with some injuries and just, I think, being on a really good player on a bad team uh, is not great sometimes. Where are you at with Jameson? I know you tweeted last night, like, during the game, Holtman wanted to see more aggression and then battle immediately knocked down a couple shots. Where are you kind of with him and, and his kind of role in this team? Yeah, he's going to have a big role in this team. And I did think he was a little um, passive early. And I think some of that was like, all right, it's, I'm a fifth year guy. This is my first time playing with this team in a competitive environment. Like, I'm not just going to come out here and start chucking up a bunch of shots. Mm-hmm. I think that probably had something to do with it. But then once he started shooting, man, that shot looked good. And, you know, you can easily see uh, the tools that are there and and why he was such an important get for Ohio State and how he addresses some of that, some of the need that they have after losing Bryce and, and Justice. Um, to, the biggest thing really is going to be he, Evan Mayakawa um, rates uh, has like individual player ratings, offense, defense, all these different things. Um, kind of like a sister site to Ken Palm and uh, Jameson rated out as the worst defender in division one basketball last year. Oh, and wow. <laughs> um, that's not great. No, it, it, it's not. But I, I do think <laughs> when I, when I've spoken to him about some of that, that there is an awareness on his part that he needs to be better. Yeah. And that's part of why he came to Ohio state. He really wants to make the tournament. He's never played in March madness. That's like a huge thing for him. And for someone like in that position to take a look at a 16 to 19 team and say, that's where I'm going because I'm going to make an impact and we're going to go to the tournament. That gives me a lot of belief that he has the self-confidence to make the necessary adjustments to help this team at a high level. Um, we need to see it. Uh, more consistently, I think defensively, and he needs to be a better rebounder, but he definitely has that self-awareness that those are the areas he needs to work on. And I think from, from talking to him, he went through some stuff last year, you know, the, the losing and he was injured, missed the start of the season. You know, it was a rough year all around. Like there was, he, and he, he mentioned it last night, like dealing with the mental health issues and stuff last season, like that, that all played a role. And I think, Having a chance for you know a re a reboot, if you will, and um, playing with a new team in a familiar setting, uh, I, I expect him to be a, a 
big part of, of whatever success this team has this season. Justin, last night, um, it was kind of funny. The, the students behind us, behind Adam and myself, um, after battle knocked down his first shot, and I mean, it was a clean look. Like, it reminded me, I know the lefty-lefty thing, like, he's the first shooter that Ohio State's had, I think, since Justin Arns, where when he shot from the corner, as soon as it left his hand, I could see the trajectory. like, oh, that's in. That, that looks really clean. And then after he hit that first one, he got another one, and as soon as he caught the ball and went up, the, one of the students behind me went, Oh shit. And he <laughs> nailed it. Cashed it again. Um, and all I could think, and I wrote it in my game piece too, was like, I honestly think that the version of, of battle that they get this year is going to determine how many games they play in March. Are they going to play a few into the big 10 tournament and that's it? Or are they going to go farther? Because, um, you know, Adam, Justin and I, I think it was two seasons ago was his, was battles two seasons ago would have been battles first year at Minnesota and towards the end of the season, we were v- reviewing stats and looking at all Big Ten first teams, and we were like, man, Jameson Why? Battle has a – he has a reason. There's an argument that Jameson Battle should have been all Big Ten first team two years ago when he was just – I think he shot close to 40% from three and was, like, efficient from everywhere on the floor, including three. And then he was just not great last year, although he was hurt. So I think that if they get closer to the two years ago battle – that makes this Ohio State team kind of like whack-a-mole. Like you've got Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale probably scoring double digits. And then like the student behind me that was exasperated about battle, it's like, oh, shit, we also have to cover this guy. Um, So I really think that he will determine how far this team goes, depending on what we see from him, which which version we get. Yeah, I mean, you got to have an oh-shit guy. Got to have an oh-shit guy. So (laughs) He was – Put it on the T-shirt. Yeah, we'll we'll see those. (laughs) Um, Adam, we'll go ahead and we'll close this with a few questions about the 2024 and 2025 classes. Um, we don't expect you to be a, a double agent that has all the inside info, but we know you have more info than us. So we are just curious, both Justin and I, if you, since the 2024 class, it seems has dried up a little bit. Ohio state seems pretty satisfied to just end with the guys they've got, except Jaden Quaintance is the one guy floating out there still that a lot of schools are getting involved with but that even you've said Ohio state has a legitimate shot to maybe get him. Have you heard anything in the last month or so about maybe his timeline or how Ohio state stands up with some of the other blue bloods that are going after him? Yeah. Timeline. I have not heard, but I have heard that they're, they're still in it. Um, You know, I don't know that anybody at this point feels that they're the, the favorite or the runner up. I think that everyone that's still involved, um, feels like they're still in the running and that it could be sort of anybody's race. So, um, yeah, I, I think there, there's still a shot there. Um, and they would, they would take him, uh, for sure. Um, but at, at this point, I don't, it just seems like it's kind of quiet right now and they're still kind of figuring things out and I don't know what the timeline is. Um, and Adam, I'm actually going to jump back to one thing just real quick because I'm, I literally just saw it and I actually want to get your opinion on it right now because I think John Rothstein's a really funny guy. Um, he tweeted, uh, he tweeted about Jameson battle yesterday, but then he quote tweeted and said so much Andre Wesson in in Evan Mahaffey. Would you agree with that statement? Ooh. Um, you know, there's, there's I probably something. I love an, 
I that's love good. a national media writer shouting out Andre Wesson. That's what I'm just uh, I, like. Ross yeah. is not going to say Andre Wesson. That's, hol- that's season, hilarious. So I, I need to. I need to get some opinions on this. <laughs> um. Yeah, I could. I could see that. I mean, because we. I mean, you could draw a line, you know, between yeah, Kyle Young and Andre Wesson and Evan Mahaffey and maybe like Jay Sean Tate. Like, there's there are some there's some similarities that I think would, would unite all those players. So yeah, I'll, I'll allow that. I'll accept that too. Okay, cool. Um, Rothstein has credibility for another day. He lives on. <laughs> uh, and so what do you, what are you kind of hearing about the 2025 guards? Is it kind of, are they really putting all of their hands in the Darren Peterson and Jerry Easter basket? I know Dorian in the East, is also in the Easter, in the Easter basket, John, in the Easter basket. basket. Yeah. You know, I tried. Carry on. <laughs> um, you know, I know there's Dorian Jones. He's a Cleveland guy as well. There's a lot of in-state and Indiana talent. You know, I know Jerry Easter was in-state. Now he plays in Indiana. Peterson, same with now he's at West West Virginia. What are kind of you hearing about these guards? There's seems like there's just a lot of talent in the 2025 class, obviously led by Darren Peterson, who is <laughs> national, you know, is the number two recruit in the nation. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're involved in essentially all of them. I mean, this is you're you're entering a, an unusually fertile recruiting period for Ohio State or for the state of Ohio in yeah. in basketball. Um, you know, there is more upper level talent and I'm going to include like Easter and uh Peterson even though they're they're not playing in Ohio, but they're Ohio kids. Um and honestly, you can include Jaden Quaintance as well cuz uh he's he's an Ohio kid and yeah, he's reclassifying. Uh, but he was a five-star in 2025. Um, there is just a lot of really high-level talent coming from this state in the 25 and 26 classes. And Ohio State's involved in essentially all of it. Um, I, I don't know that any of those guys are close to anything at this point. And I think when you are dealing with you know, guys that are top 20, top 10, in, in Darren Peterson's case, top five uh, national recruits, like it's kind of a different recruiting process and timeline. Um, so he, he is certainly like the, I would say probably top priority because there's legitimate interest there on both sides. Um, you know, what does that look like with blue buds being involved and, um, you know, how does NIL shake out and, you know, if Ohio state is, if they're looking at, you know, trying to retain, um, you know, when you get to those classes, you know, start thinking about like, you know, upperclassmen, Bruce Thornton or Roddy Gale or Felix Akpara or Scotty Middleton or whatever, like you're going to need a certain amount of NIL dollars to maintain the core players you want to keep. Um, and then also a certain amount of NIL to bring in the players you want to bring in. You know, that, that could be, that could be interesting. Um, you know, does, does Ohio state have enough NIL resources to to do that? I honestly don't know. And I don't think anybody knows at this point. And maybe NIL is a whole different thing by the time that really becomes an issue. But, um, but yeah, there's there's legitimate interest there in pretty much all of those guys. Um, and they, they just offered um, uh, Antoine West, a, a kid from Toledo, Whitmer. So back in, or I think it's Whitmer, back in my my hometown area, um, I always like to see a Northwest Ohio kid uh, doing well. Um, so I know he's he's a guy that's kind of on the radar now. Um, yeah, you mentioned Dorian Jones. I, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Like there's... There's a the interesting to interesting thing too is these guys are all kind of connected. Like they know each other. There are friendships and bonds there in between some of these guys. And 
it will be interesting. I don't know what the first domino ends up being in those classes, but like, yeah, what, how does that then progress? Like whenever somebody makes a decision, what impact does it have on the next guy and the next guy? And right now they're, they're running the race with a lot of them. And then just to, I'll close this out here with one last uh, overall question about the big 10. Obviously I know you are one of the two that put together the uh, big 10 media poll that came out. Um, when that came out, what was one team you were higher on and what was one team you were lower on than uh, most of the others that it seemed to be? Oh, I'd have to, I'm trying to think back right now. Um, I don't know that I had anybody that I was significantly lower on than everybody else. Um, I think I was maybe a little bit higher on like Wisconsin and Northwestern uh, just because I think there you go, Connor. That's that's There there you go. uh, (laughs) I'm saying Northwestern top six. Don't sleep. I I, I think there's, there's a lot to like there. And I think they have some, some positive momentum. And I mean, heck just the fact that, you know, the last time they made the tournament and then uh, didn't have a home arena the next year and had to go play at in Rosemont at Allstate arena, which was uh, not a great environment for college basketball and they suffered uh, as a result of that. You know, I think that honestly, like I circle that as one of the games I'm most interested to see Ohio State play this year is when it goes to Northwestern, which is something that nobody would have said (laughs) three years ago, uh, pretty much at any point in history until now, but they've got something cooking there at Walsh Ryan arena. And I think it's going to be um, a really great home atmosphere. I think that's going to carry, carry Northwestern. So I'm, I'm kind of high on them. I'm I'm kind of high in Wisconsin. Uh, I do think that um, adding the uh, AJ Store, I think, uh, gives them a little bit of a different dimension offensively uh, that they need to to be a little bit more competitive. And you know, as a team that was right there to make the NCAA tournament, Ohio State kind of shut the door on that in the Big Ten tournament. And then you know Wisconsin had a nice nice NIT run. I think they're kind of set up for a decently good season. So I might be a little bit higher on the the two of them than than some others. Yeah, speaking of Wisconsin, you mentioned earlier, like covering high school athletes and, you know, kind of how they approach the media and whatnot. And one that uh, I covered right out of when I graduated college, I went up to uh, Nebraska to cover sports. And one that always stood out to me was Chucky Hepper. And I covered him in high school. And uh, he every time I covered him for two years and every win, loss, no matter what, he was always fantastic with the media. So I don't know if you've had a chance to interview him yet, but uh, Chucky was always one of those early ones I learned, like high school athletes just showing that maturity that a lot of the high state athletes seem to show. So it was, it was always interesting to kind of see it from that, from that think, point of view. I think Chucky had a sweet suit at big 10 media day last year. Yeah. That sounds like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was always. All right, Adam, we'll go ahead and we'll get you out of here. We've been going for about 40 minutes now. So we certainly, uh, we appreciate the time. Um, I, I can speak for Justin as well. We both appreciate the hard work you do. Um, I, I try to listen to the Buckeye Extra podcast when I can to get, you know, get some extra intel to help me out as well. So if you're listening to this, make sure to also subscribe and listen to the Buckeye Extra podcast that Adam puts out. Like we put out one episode a week. Adam sometimes puts out four um, and he's got kids and we don't. It, it, it can get challenging at times, but that's why I have a basement or, you know, a minivan, uh, you know, my, my mobile recording studio, wherever I can find a little bit of quiet. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, I appreciate the kind words guys. Thank you so much. Adam, where else can, uh, well, I was just going to say before you go, how do people sign up for the tech subscriptions as well? Uh, if you're a Columbus dispatch subscriber, there's a link to it in like every 
thing that I write and you just click on the link. It's free with your dispatch subscription. And um, it's just a, another way for me to try to stay connected to the people that, you know, are really passionate about Ohio state basketball. I, I love, I love getting to do it. And it's I actually had a subscriber text me a photo uh, last week. They're on a trip to London taking a tour of like rock and roll sites. It was mostly stuff from the sixties and the seventies. And, uh, but they were, they crossed Berwick street and, uh, as I'm sure you guys are well aware, that is the cover of what's the story morning glory. And so the subscriber took a photo and said, no, our tour guide pointed out that this was the cover of Oasis, second album and, um, texted me that photo. And I was like, you know, this is like a whole different level of, um, I, I, notoriety or I, I don't even know. Um, uh, but God bless technology, I guess. I just thought that was a really cool interaction right there yeah yeah so (laughs) that um, means that means they're clearly listening to the very end of the episode too (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do try to drop some musical thoughts at at the end there um you know maybe if they if they find a way to squeeze like eight days into a week i might start doing a music podcast but i just can't (laughs) seem to find the time All right. And we'll follow Adam on Twitter. Um, what's your, your Twitter handle or X? I'm not calling it X. What's your Twitter no, handle? Adam? <laughs> at, at Adam Jardy. So follow Adam on Twitter, follow the, uh, subscribe to the Buckeye extra podcast, check his stuff out of the Columbus dispatch. Adam, we appreciate it. Uh, have a great rest of your week and, uh, I will see you November 6th. Yeah. Oakland. appreciate. Yeah. I can't wait. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much. All right, and we're back. We appreciate Adam again for jumping in and taking the time. Um, Justin, Adam, you know, Adam is an absolute madman. Uh, He, like, lives and breathes, like, Big Ten basketball. Um, I know you listen to his podcast during the season usually. Like, during the season, he might put out, like, four or five podcast episodes, as well as he'll, he'll pump out, like, three or four articles a day with the dispatch. Plus, he has, like, two kids that he'll always be like, oh, I got to go home and get the how the heck is he getting the kids off the bus at like four 30 and also doing everything he does? Like, I don't know, but he does, he does everything. Yeah. He's, he's the best. That's why he's the best. That's why he covers a team at, you know, I think when it comes to Ohio state basketball coverage, there's really only a couple uh, that cover it, you know, all year round. We do at land grant uh, Adam does, you know, 11 Warriors does and the Lantern does. And outside of that, I can't really think of anybody else that does it full rear round. So could be wrong. Yeah. He's one of the rare media people. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he gets the same questions as me every now and then. If I'm at basketball, the last somebody will ask me like, Oh, were you at, uh, were you at Jim Knowles like press conference earlier today? And I'd be like, no, I just cover basketball. And people look at me like I have three heads. Like how could you choose? How could you choose to only cover basketball in person when you could choose to cover football in person and it's like hey for one covering football would give me an aneurysm and for two uh college hoops is super fun like don't don't hoops, talk man. don't 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 talk down on college hoops like that i can't wait to sit down on november 14th and on a tuesday night and watch mary mac play saint peter's <laughs> at seven o'clock on espn plus i can't wait i love college hoops and i'm gonna be just I can't. Well, I think what I said up. is accurate, by the way. I don't think those two teams are playing. Give me I don't a, think November 14th is a Tuesday, but all the same. It all the, the, the points the same. 
I can't wait to nestle in at 8.30 to throw a four-team parlay of like Coppin State, Nevada, oh, Iowa, and North Carolina State at like plus 850. I'll be like, oh, God, I can't wait. Um, and somehow all of it hits, but you miss something crazy like Wisconsin loses to Iona. And you're like, oh, no. Um, last thing before we get out of here, totally unrelated to Ohio State, but I just think it's funny. Um, you... I don't want to say it was buried. Like it was kind of big news. I forget what day this came out. Was it, I think it was Sunday morning, but Sunday it kind morning, of over, yeah. but it, it overlapped with the entire Michigan football and it, it kind of got buried underneath like the Michigan football sign stealing stuff. Um, Indiana freshman forward, Mackenzie Mbako, who was, I think Ohio state was in his final three, his first recruitment. Um, yeah, and then I think de- it was in it was final four his first recruitment. Then when they decommitted, they weren't on the list. It was pretty much just yeah. A, I think it was which Indiana, I, Kansas, which, <laughs> you know, Adidas schools. Let's you know, let's not forget that. Did, um. Anyway, he was so Mackenzie Mbako was arrested in a Taco Bell drive-through early Sunday morning in Bloomington. Um, Justin, I'm assuming that you have we have not been there. We have all not been there. <laughs> um. <laughs> We've all been there. We do not speak for me. Um, But I'm going to read it and (laughs) we can kind of summarize it afterwards. This is from inside the hall, which is in my opinion, I think it's the, like the the best Indiana sports blog. Um, There are probably others, but inside the hall is a really big one. I don't think it's associated with like SB nation or like sports illustrated. I think it's, it's its own thing. And they're pretty good. It's it's the 11 warriors of Indiana. Yeah. It's think. It's good. So we'll go, I'll read real quick and then we'll kind of talk about it. Um, Mbako 18 was booked at 3.16 a.m. on charges of criminal trespassing and resisting law enforcement. Um, it says on October 22nd at approximately 2.15 a.m., officers responded to Taco Bell located on East 3rd Street in Bloomington in reference to a man refusing to leave the property. Upon arrival, officers were advised by Taco Bell management that they were refusing service to a man in a vehicle in the drive-thru due to him cursing at and being very rude to their employees. Officers arrived and made contact with the man who refused to identify himself but told officers he was 18 years old. The man was later identified as Mackenzie Mbako. Officers asked Mbako to move his vehicle um, from the drive-thru line, which he agreed to do, and moved the vehicle into a parking space in the Taco Bell lot. Upon speaking further with management, they requested that officers tell they requested that officers tell him to leave the property. Officers explained to him that he needed to leave the property and he refused to do so. He kept the windows closed on his vehicle. At one point, Mbako began to drive out of the lot, but then reversed his vehicle and parked again in a different parking space in the Taco Bell parking lot. He was told repeatedly that he needed to leave the property by officers, but failed to comply and stayed on the property for another 15 minutes. Officers determined that Mbako would be arrested for trespassing, but he then moved his vehicle to a nearby lot and parked his car again. Officers approached the vehicle, advised him that he was still under arrest and that he needed to get out of the vehicle, but he refused to do so. Officers had to use a baton to break the passenger side window of the vehicle to unlock the doors. Upon opening the driver's door, Mbako was given commands to exit the car. He refused to do so. Officers officers had to forcibly remove him from the vehicle, and he tensed his arms and would not allow officers to secure him in handcuffs. Officers were able to eventually place him in handcuffs and transport him to Monroe County Jail. Um, And then he later posted bail 
and got out. Um, we wouldn't always somebody the first comment was from this day onwards, I shall christen him Taco Mbako. Um <laughs> we don't always talk about criminal stuff in case it's like if you know, like there's a lot of like domestic violence, things like that. We don't, we don't get only into. talk about the funny criminal stuff. This is this is mostly harmless. Like <laughs> it doesn't say that he was drinking, he wasn't under the influence of alcohol or drugs. No, no, um, no. just in general, that's he was just being a, that is important to point out, I think. <laughs> He was he was sober and just being a douchebag to the Taco Bell employees. <laughs> okay, I have like, like I have like seventeen thoughts about this, the, but I think my favorite one is he wouldn't identify himself, but he's six eleven and he's likely wearing Indiana basketball stuff because every time I've seen a college basketball player, they're wearing their college basketball stuff. So I just love the fact that it's like. He wouldn't identify himself, but he was probably wearing Indian. So they were probably just looking through the roster of Indiana basketball. Like, who is it? Who is it? Who could this one be? And then also, uh, they got there at 215 and they booked him at 350 or they rested him at 315. This was an hour long of just him sitting in his car, probably looking forward while they're like knocking on the glass. Like, uh, sir, could you open up the window? <laughs> I like it's funny. I mean, it, it's pretty funny. Like, objectively, it's funny it's also funny. if you saw how many people kind of came to his defense in just a way of like, no, but like that Taco Bell is the absolute worst. I did. Like people are putting out reviews of the Taco Bell. It has like a two star on like Yelp. They're like, look, I'm never going to condone this. However, that Taco Bell is the worst. (laughs) Um, I wonder if any, any, there are any comments on this article about that. Um, but like he was just being a, a jerk. I generally think that like being crappy to fast food employees is like one of the crappiest things you can do because their job already sucks. They already get yelled at all day long. And also you and I have both sat in a drive through before that was going way too slow because say like the place is understaffed. If he sat in the drive through for an extra, it said 20 minutes until the cops got there or however it was until the cops got there Imagine like, behind him. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, imagine that he's sitting, he's in front of you at Taco Bell. And from when they call the cops until the cops arrive, he refused to move his car. So imagine all of the people that like, I don't want to say, we can't say drunk people because they can't be in the drive-thru, but somehow Taco Bell always gets slammed late at night. So probably drunk people, people in the car that aren't behind right. People who are driving intoxicated people who are starving late at night after leaving the bar, just wanting their goddamn cheesy gordita crunch. And you have this jerk who won't leave the drive through. So it probably was like stacking up into the street. People were like probably lining up into the road to get their Taco Bell because he wouldn't get out of the drive through. And then they get him and he won't say yeah. And like you said, like he wouldn't identify himself. Like with all due respect, man, there's only so many like 6'10 black guys in Bloomington, Indiana that also have Indiana basketball like stuff on. Like it's not going to be it's not going to take too long to identify who you are but he wouldn't tell them who he was i also like it's just it's it's also it's also one of those things where like you mentioned like it wasn't talked about that much i think because like people saw he was arrested they were like oh my god like what'd he do and then they saw what he did they're like oh okay like that's not a big deal (laughs) like he's just being he's just being a prick but like (laughs) he he wasn't he wasn't drinking he wasn't on drugs. They didn't. It's not like they. I'm sure that after you have this he's kind of hungry. like, he's just hungry. He's just being. Yeah, he's just a hungry boy. Um, I'm sure after something like this happens, I'm sure like the. I could be wrong, but I feel like when I read 
articles like this, usually the cops are probably going to look at the look in the car too. Um, I I don't know if legally cops have to have a reason to look in the car, but I feel like a lot of the times cops are going to look in the car to see if they have anything else. Yeah, and just it didn't. It, no. it didn't say that he had anything in the vehicle that was suspicious. He wasn't on drugs. He wasn't drinking. Like he might get suspended for like I'm thinking maybe like two games against nobodies just because like he's not representing the university in a good way. He like you you got to be better than that. A, playing at a university like Indiana when you're that visible. Um, he'll yeah, probably he's gonna, get suspended for a game or two. I think but... he's going to sit the first half of the first game. That's it. I don't <laughs> think – I think that's what that's going to be. I just think it's funny. I just thought it was worth mentioning because it got kind of buried under all the Michigan football stuff on Sunday. Um, I don't think this will impact him in the also, long run or, or imagine, anything like that. I imagine the cops were like, you got to move your car. And he was like, no. And they're like – we're going to arrest you. He was like, okay, I moved my car. <laughs> right, right, right. No, and we're he, still going to arrest you. Sorry. You, yeah, that's you what I said. Like that, he moved, you've already crossed that threshold, but <laughs> He moved his car into like the next parking lot. He's like, fine, I'll move it. Like, okay, like you're still under arrest for trespassing because we asked you to leave and you wouldn't. So like it's too late. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reference this all throughout the season. Like, all it's going to do is had... cause for some student section heckling uh, as he goes through the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If he pops off for like a twenty-eight point game, it's going to be like, oh man, somebody got there. Somebody got their beef quesarito before the game. Yeah. Um, there'll be some signs but, about it, but that'll be it. That's that's all I got for today. Do you got anything else on uh, on T- Mackenzie and Baco or Taco Bell or anything else before we go? I have some Taco Bell thoughts, but I don't know if they're necessarily for this podcast. Um. No, I think uh, I think we're in the best time. You know, it's just great to be a sports fan. Ohio State beat Penn State. Uh, so, you know, I think the college football playoff rankings came out today. I think Ohio State was third. I don't quite understand that, but whatever. Um, that's for another the day. The playoff rankings came out? Yeah, I think their first rankings were today, right? Don't Wait, they come out no. First? No, I'm wrong about that. I don't, I think they come out in November. Oh, whatever. Um, what was I watching today then? I was watching something. <laughs> oh, well. Um, this is probably just college football final or something. I don't know. I don't check the guy and I just put it on the TV anyway. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's a great time to be a sports fan. The uh, MLBs in the World Series, NHL starting, NBA tip offs tonight. I'm watching the Nuggets currently kill the Lakers to start the season, so that's fun. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, that's all I got. DraftKings threw a, threw a free five dollar bet to everybody for. For, uh, NBA tonight. I don't really watch NBA, but I saw LeBron triple double was plus 1300. So I went ahead and threw that free $5 on that. Not that I think it's going to hit, but Hey, who knows? Um, if he's playing terribly right now, don't tell me. I'm literally looking up his stats as we, as we talk, just because I've, I've been, it's about being like side eyeing it. He has four, two and two to the first quarter. It's got eh? a shot. It's got a chance. Eh? I mean, it was like plus, I mean, I, Plus thirteen hundred seemed crazy for like I know triple doubles a lot, but like that seemed like crazy odds for for him. I think it's just because they don't know what his number or his minutes are going to be like this year. I have I have I have a I, have, I every time like I'm like a Lakers kind of fan just because I'm a LeBron fan. And I want to see his legacy get you know bigger, and the Lakers will do nothing without Anthony Davis. And every time Anthony Davis falls down, I just get, get nervous. So he might never get back up. It's insane. And he always he gets up so slow. It's like every time he falls down, I'm like, oh, he's hurt. There it is. 
Although I feel like if you fall down at seven feet, it would probably take you a while to get all the stuff moving again. Yeah, that is true. There's lots to pick back up. All right. I got to make dinner. Let's get out of here. Um, if you found us uh, on Land Grant Holy Land, make sure to uh, also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, um, whatever you use to get your music and podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe at the Land Grant Podcast Network on whatever. Um, we are going weekly now. Our podcast, we've got multiple football podcasts going every week as well. So if you want to be notified when we put new stuff out, go ahead and hit subscribe and we'll keep pumping out content. Yeah, hit us up at uh buckets LGPN Bucketheads LGPN on Twitter. Like I said, we'll start really getting that Twitter fired up. Uh, I was tweeting through the uh Bucketheads through, through the Bucketheads game through the Ohio State game, the the exhibition. Um, so just make sure you're following us there. You can follow me at Justin underscore Golba, where I put all my stuff for my day job up, which I cover amateur golf for a living. Um, also make sure you check me out on the instant recap podcast for every Ohio state football game. You can find those just on like Twitter, literally right after the game ends. Uh, we get a cool 800 to 1200 viewers on those, which is pretty fun. So, um, yeah, there you go there. Yeah. It's always, I, I, I learned, uh, I learned that like people can see me on those and I need to like, actually like be presentable. Just, yeah. Cause they're live and I'm just on camera and I'm like picking my nose and eating it, you know? Um, I'm just kidding. I ain't picking my nose, but I'm not eating it. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was doing. Is that closing this out? You can close it out. Where are you, Connor? Uh, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Lamans underscore Connor. Your boots on the ground, so you gotta you gotta follow Connor. Connor's always boots on the ground. Yeah, I was at the exhibition. Um, technically, I'm still awaiting a credential approval from uh, OSU SID uh, Gary Pettit, but. Um, after the exhibition, Gary literally was like, all right, guys, we'll do a press conference before the Oakland game on uh, whatever day, um, like the midweek press conference. So I would be absolutely befuddled if they denied my credentials. So uh, the plan is to be there for all the home games, um, uh, make the trip for a couple of road games. But yeah, follow me at Lamons underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore C-O-N-N-O-R. Um, Look, man, you were, one of, you were one of three Ohio State reporters there. So if people don't know who we are, better figure it out quick. All right. Yeah, exactly. I try to send out – I try to put out a few pictures, uh, pregame lineups, things like that. Um, Start heckling the players. Thoughts, thoughts, comments, commentary, things like that throughout the game. Um, if people, you know, miss stuff on the broadcast that I can potentially grab and – be of any use but anyway uh if you're still with us uh we appreciate you listening we hope you enjoyed the interview with jardy hopefully we can have some more great great interviews um before the season gets going and uh even throughout the season so we appreciate it have a good rest of your week and go bucks